What that means is that leaves zero time for salespeople to focus on the leads that said no last month or a quarter ago or six months ago, right? And when you run the numbers, that is such a lost opportunity. It's just huge for any business. Doesn't matter the size of the deal or the sales cycle or the industry. It always adds up to a lot of money if you can fix that problem. You're listening to Real Marketing Real Fast, the only podcast that brings you unfiltered, undaunted, insider information on the latest tools and technologies for online marketers. Prepare to dive deep into marketing myths, breakthrough models, and cutting-edge strategies that will have an immediate impact on the growth of your business. And now, here's your host, marketing expert, Doug Morneau. Well, welcome back. Let's just another episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Today in studio, we join me, Craig Klein. Small and medium-sized businesses suffer from two main challenges that slow growth. Number one, potential customers just don't know that they even exist. And number two, salespeople are investing too much time seeking out customers who need what they're selling instead of helping those that do. Craig Klein is the founder and CEO of Sales Nexus and has developed a system to address these challenges simply and affordably, ultimately helping grow thousands of businesses. Sales Nexus is a leading CRM platform, automation lead generation solution for companies with sales teams of 10 to 100. Together with his team at uh, Sales Nexus, Craig works with startups at Fortune 500s to create systems that give salespeople more time to sell, to qualify leads to sell to, while giving management the accountability that is so elusive in sales. Craig is a member of the Forbes Agency Council, where he's also a contributing writer. Craig is the father of three beautiful children. He's an avid sailor. He's an avid hunter and skier. And when he's not growing the sales nexus team and or writing, he's probably planning his next adventure to somewhere you've never heard of. So with that said, I'd like to welcome Craig Klein to the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast today. Well, Craig, I'm super excited to have you on the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast today. So thanks for taking time out of your day to join us. Thank you, Doug. I'm really happy to be here. Can't wait to have our conversation. Well, and you've got a super exciting topic. I mean, who doesn't want to know about sales and marketing, moving the sales dial and crushing the competition, as your bio said, and being the dominant player in your marketplace? Yeah, everybody's trying to move the sales numbers. That's not unique or different. It's all about how do we do it, right? I find a lot of people are just groping and just sort of trying to do everything and overwhelming their entire team with too much stuff. So do you want to take uh, take a second and just give us a like a 30 second highlight view of, you know, where we're at and, you know, kind of where your company's at? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, Sales Nexus is a CRM and marketing automation platform all in one. So what we've done is helped salespeople stay organized and focus on the right things and then bolted the marketing automation right into their sales process so that the sales team is driving the marketing automation rather than it being something that a separate department, the marketing group does. And every now and then they throw leads over the wall. <laughs> yeah, because there, there always seems to be this, there's, there's not always this great relationship between sales and marketing because sales right. is saying, hey, you know, marketing is giving me crappy leads and marketing is saying, hey, sales is not doing a good job closing my leads. So how have you guys been able to bridge that gap and, and bring the team together so they're, you know, pulling the same direction? Yeah, well, it's exactly like you say. There's typically a little bit of animosity between the two teams. 
And we, in particular, we work with B2B sales teams primarily. And what we see a lot is, you know, an, an old school business that may have had tremendous success over the last 20 or 50 years, you know, and, and it's all been very sales driven. But here we are in, you know, 2019 and the lights going on and they're saying, hey, you know what, we got to get serious about digital marketing. And man, you you and I both know that that means you're going to have to change your sales processes. And that's when, you know, the salespeople really can't do things the old the old school way. They have to adopt to being faster and more reactive. And that means they have to adopt some technology and very quickly they get very overwhelmed and the marketing team is pushing solutions on them that aren't really designed for salespeople. And, you know, we all, we've all heard the stories about CRMs and how frequently salespeople don't like using them, right? And that's really the problem that we've, we've always been focused on trying to solve. So what does that transition look like? So from old school to new school, I mean, you know, what does that look like for, you know, the businesses that are that are listening thinking, okay, I used to do things a certain way. Yes, digital is here. There's a million shiny objects in the digital space. Yeah. So how do I transition from where I am to, you know, to today to help have a better, deeper connection with my prospects? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's crazy. Like you pointed out originally, the this divide between marketing and sales, it's, it's really unfortunate and dysfunctional and everything else, you know, and every business leader should be constantly mindful of that and trying to bridge that gap. Because what I see a lot is because of that divide, because the marketing folks may be able to generate leads successfully, but what they try to do is just inject those leads into the existing sales process because they don't have, they don't feel like they have the political power to go and get the process adjusted, right? And that just undermines the success with these new digital leads because they're not getting responded to more or quickly enough, right? So what, I mean, you and I both know every salesperson loves a lead, right? Yep, absolutely. So we, so we just try to make it easy for the salesperson to see the lead when it's available, also to give teams a way to, to sort of auto route leads to the right people at the right time. You know, in other words, if I'm, if I'm on a plane today, going to a big meeting out in California, well, don't send the leads to me, right? Sure. Send them to the other guy that's available and can pick up the phone and call them. But if you just do that, if you just get the leads into the salespeople's hands, good things will happen. And pretty soon they're bridging the gap, right? They're calling up the marketing people and going, Hey, these leads you're sending me are awesome. How do I get more of them? Yeah, and we talked a little bit before we started recording kind of on your superpowers and some of the things that, that you and your team and your software solution, your CRM helps people to accomplish. And we mentioned, you mentioned uh, nurtured marketing. And so, you know, uh, everyone says, hey, nurture, drip marketing. But like to your point, I think often that's in the marketing department and sales doesn't see it. It's just happening. Yeah. So do you want to explain and uh, go a little bit deeper on, you know, the, you know, how you guys help bridge that gap and make that a more effective solution for both sales and marketing? Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, so I mean, the fundamentally the problem is that salespeople are focused on the deals they're closing right now, right? And depending on the business, maybe they're also spending a decent amount of their time on their existing clients, you know, and farming those existing accounts and things like that. And we all know that they struggle to spend enough time filling the funnel, you know, pr uh, prospecting for next month's deals. 
and sales managers are always working to to fix that problem. And what that means is that leaves zero time for salespeople to focus on the leads that said no last month or a quarter ago or six months ago, right? And when you run the numbers, that is such a lost opportunity. It's just huge for any business. Doesn't matter the size of the deal or the sales cycle or the industry. It always adds up to a lot of money if you can fix that problem because in a typical business, right? You're, maybe your, your close rate's 20 or 25%, right? So that means you got 75 or 80% of your leads or opportunities are not buying every month. And the salespeople are just basically throwing those over their shoulder and, and throwing them away, right? Right, yeah. But you and I know that when somebody doesn't buy, it's almost never, they're not, they're not saying, no, I will never do business with your company, right? They're saying something like, now's not a good time for us. It's not in the budget this year. Let's talk next year. We just signed a contract with your competitor six months ago. So we're going to have to let that play out. So let's talk in six months. You know, all of those things, right? Those are valid business reasons not to make a purchase right now. But that's right. Yep. They're le they certainly leave the door open for a purchase in the future, right? But salespeople never circle back and, and ask for that opportunity. So if all you do is take those 75% or 80% of your leads. So let's say, let's say you're getting 100 leads a month and you're closing 20 of them. So that's 80 every month that you didn't close. So you take those 80 and you put them in a hopper. And next month you take the next 80 and you put those in the hopper and so on and so on. Pretty soon your hopper's up to, you know, a few thousand leads that you've talked to in the past. You know they have some kind of need that's related to your product or service. They've learned something about your brand and hopefully you, your sales team has made some connection with them. So if all you do is send them some very simple messages, keeping your brand top of mind then whenever whatever whenever something changes in their world they're going to pick up the phone and call you right so that's well you also shared about the you know the the ability to to respond to somebody in almost real time right. when they're receiving your nurturing and your and your follow material yeah exactly so so everything i just talked about that's kind of fundamental lead nurturing best practice right yeah but the problem is that as you mentioned that's something that the marketing department typically handles. And it's kind of done in this vacuum that salespeople don't sort of know about. And if they're lucky, maybe once a week, but probably more likely once a month, somebody in marketing is mining that lead nurturing system and going, oh, here's the you know 200 people that clicked on one of our emails this month. Let's hand that back to the salespeople and let them reach out to those folks. Well, nine times out of 10, even two or three days later is too late, right? So what our platform does is makes it instantaneous. So when, you know, if you and I talked six months ago and I presented you my product and you said no, and now you're on my lead nurturing campaign and today you get one of my emails and for whatever reason, you happen to open it up and read it and click the link to watch my video or download my PDF or whatever, then I know about it in real time, like literally this second. And I can pick up the phone and call you up and say, hey, Doug, we haven't talked in a long time. Remember, we talked about that proposal for the such and such, you know, and, and immediately you've already got me and my solution on your mind. So we're having this very warm conversation. 
but it works so much better if it happens literally the same day. If you know, if you think about the way we all read emails, if I, I may look at an email from somebody I don't I don't even recognize and I may click and go to their website or whatever, but if you wait until tomorrow morning to call me, I may not even remember doing that. Right. So yeah, that's true. Yeah, I look at so much stuff. It's like, where did I see that? Um, <laughs> so I need someone to be watching over my shoulder, remind me where I, I found that really cool thing that I wanted to follow up on. Yeah. So if you make that instantaneous response, man, the results really increase. We, what we typically see is a business can generate a fit, most B2B sales teams just by putting this kind of process in place can generate a 15 to 20% increase in sales in the, in four to six months. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. And it's super affordable and easy to do. You know I mean? That's the, the no brainer part of it. Yeah. I mean, cause they've got the, they've likely got the marketing collateral. Right. The different, the difference is, I mean, there's lots of people talking about drip marketing. So people are sending out, you know, bits of information by email every week. What they don't know is which people are looking at it in real time. Right. So I know even in the email space, if I'm looking at the email service providers that I'm looking at and providing reporting back for a client on a campaign, exactly what you said. We know uh, that this many people looked at it and the date, but it's not real time. It's, it's, you know, days or week after. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we see that a lot of a uh, lot of B two B companies that are very have been s- traditionally sales driven. They struggle a lot with writing those emails. You know, it's hard for them not to talk like salespeople in an email. <laughs> yeah, yep. And, I can relate to that. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's really challenging for anyone to write a good email about their own product or service. It's just very difficult to be objective, right? Yeah. In fact, I was listening to your podcast. One of your recent episodes you did with Chad Sanderson. Oh, yeah. I like him. And he was talking a lot about really stepping into the customer's world and understanding their needs. And I just, I think that is such a brilliant point because if you can do that as a salesperson, it's very effective, of course, but it's also the number one way to create good marketing content, right? So if you're able to do that as a salesperson, and start to get a, a feel for what your customers typically are worried about. And then you can create your emails from that perspective. Man, those are going to work like a charm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've got a friend of mine that's done the high level sales for a long time, and he said the money's in the follow up. So exactly what you've said, you know, you, you've got your, your closing, your closing rate is great, but you know, you're going to have a bigger impact in your organization by closing the nose, like following up on the nose and you will by increasing your closing rate from 20% to 21%. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, you know, what is, it's funny when, when I got started years ago, I used to hear people say, you know, the marketing axiom was, well, it takes four or five touches to close a sale. Right. Yeah. Now what I see in articles and, and webinars and things is it takes seven or eight touches to close the sale. <laughs> it's getting worse, you know? And so you can't, you can't put that entirely on a salesperson that they have to break through the forest of voicemails and, and gatekeepers and technology to make all of those touches themselves. You got to, you got to automate some of it. So digging a bit deeper into the metrics, what are the metrics that your sales team, you know, or a sales team should be tracking? 
Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I I have a really different approach to that. So, and you know, the the metrics that most people, when we talk to people looking at our platform, for instance, the ones that they have in mind are things like, you know, how many new leads did you generate this week? Or how many meetings did you have? Or how many proposals did you send out? And of course, those are all important things, but they're really not the top of the funnel, right? And as we talked about earlier, that the top of the funnel is really where things typically go wrong. You know, if you've got great leads coming in, then everything else kind of takes care of itself. And so we like to really focus in that area. So it's things like not just how many new leads did I talk to, but how many new leads did I identify, whatever that looks like in your world. It might be leads coming through your website, might be people that you've connected with in LinkedIn. It could be, you know, people you met at a networking event, but, you know, haven't had any further conversation with. You want those numbers to be really big. And then you can put all kinds of automation in place to help nurture those folks down through your funnel so that your salespeople are talking to qualified opportunities most of the time, rather than just, you know, trying to find somebody they can speak to and try to create interest where there is none, you know? So that's the real, uh, that's back to what we were talking about the with the lead nurturing. That's where the numbers can come from. All of those leads that you've talked to in the past can really add to that, that top of the funnel process. The other thing that, that we like to do, we have a process that we call the four steps to market domination. That's our methodology for helping somebody be successful with CRM and marketing automation. You know that you know, a lot of companies struggle to get it right and get the team to adopt everything and, yeah. and really use it and all of that. We, we all know about those heartbreak stories. And, you know, we've been doing this for 15 years now, and we've just seen that, you know, getting the salespeople to use the solution is the, is the answer to that problem. And what we want to do is create a system where the salespeople are encouraged to be the best kind of salesperson they can be. You know, so in other words, just like we were talking about earlier, what Chad Sanderson was talking about in your previous episode, we want to encourage, we want the technology to help the salesperson step into the customer's world. So what we do, step one in our four steps to market domination is let's design a customer screen so that when I'm talking to you as a customer, I got my phone in one hand and my mouse in the other, you know, yep. the the customer screen becomes this like a script for me almost, but it's not a script of things for me to say to you. It's a script of questions for me to ask you and a place for me to put the answer, you know? So if if we can teach a salesperson to to sell in that way, so that every engagement they have with a customer, they're asking a series of really probing questions that are about what's going on in your world and what are your needs. And they're capturing the answers in an organized sort of searchable way. Man, you're building this database that's super powerful for the long haul, right? I'll be able to go back and search up a list of everybody that told me that cost savings is their primary driver versus revenue increases, you know, and create targeted offerings and packages and things like that. And so back to your question about metrics, those are the metrics that we like to see our customers, you know, keeping track of not, not just how many conversations did I have, but how deeply did I 
build that relationship by virtue of how much of that information did I capture. Does that make sense? Well, that's interesting. So is this part of the, the, the tool and the service that you're offering? So this is all captured and it's standardized, so it's searchable across all the contacts? Exactly. Exactly. Oh, that's really neat because typically what would happen is you'd ask some questions and they'd go into notes. <laughs> right. And notes notes aren't searchable or you try to add tags and tags can become a disaster very quick because every salesperson is going to use different tags. Exactly. But so these are a, a standard set of questions. Um, so is this something you set up when, you know, when you're onboarding a company or you're working with the sales team? You go through and kind of examine what these you know probing questions may be? Yeah, that's right. Our platform is designed to make it super easy to just customize and tailor that for every business. So a business can do that themselves. We offer some services to help people do it. But it's, you know, the idea being, you know, how most CRMs, you kind of have your, your basic system and you can customize things, but there's a, a place where your custom stuff goes. And so if you want to use both, like I need to keep track of your mobile number and your email address, but I also want to keep track of these 10 things that are unique to my business. I end up having to go to two different pages to manage all of that. Yep. And, you know, salespeople just don't do that. So uh, what our solution does, which is not rocket science, it just puts it all on one page, you know? <laughs> well, you know, and that's the advantage, I guess, as a, as a newer player to the market, like see you've been in the market for 15 years, is that you don't have all this legacy system to go back and, and, and rework through. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny back when, uh, I mean, the way I got into sales, I, I grew up with my stepdad worked from home. He was a manufacturer's rep. And so he worked out of the house. He was a big uh, hunter and fisher, right? So I saw his lifestyle and it really looked attractive. You know, he worked from home, you know, started when he wanted, stopped when he wanted every day, every Friday, Pretty much he was taken off and hitting the road to go hunting or fishing. And he would come back sometime late on Sunday and spend all Monday sort of cleaning up. And he worked about three days a week and he made a good living and had a great lifestyle. He was very happy, right? Looked awesome. So I thought, man, that's what I'm going to do. Well, guess what? <laughs> he was a different kind of guy than me. Yeah. And that approach did not work for me. I had to take a different approach of being more organized and systematic I got, I was lucky enough to get hooked up with uh, the Sandler sales training group uh, back in my early career when I was in the energy business. And man, I learned so much from that. Such a great, such a great methodology for an engineering type mindset like mine. And I find that that their approach, approaches like that work great for technology products where you're, you really have to take more of a, a systematic approach. You know, the, I had to teach myself to ask the right questions and really understand the customers, you know, what the Sandler guys would call the customer's pain, right? Yep. And when, when we started Sales Nexus, that was my number one thing. We had tried in my, in my energy business days, we had tried several different CRMs and we had tried to figure out ways to do this in these other platforms and it just wouldn't work. We couldn't make it work. And that was our number one vision is, hey, let's create a platform that lets salespeople be great salespeople by asking really probing questions and getting to know their customers and let the technology facilitate that, you know? 
Well, one of the things that I, I was interested in asking you, because I saw this in, in kind of your background, and that was, you know, um, the excuses that salespeople will give for not using a CRM. I had a <laughs> friend of mine that uh, managed a large car dealership, and they had just spent a very significant amount of money installing a CRM. And I said, so how is that going with your sales guys? And he says, well, they, they you know, they don't want to enter the leads that they've gotten. Mm-hmm. I said, well, that's a business risk, because if they leave, they take your business, I would hire somebody, you know, hire a partner timer to come yeah. in there and data enter them. So I'm not spending, you know, an extra $2,000 a month after spending $25,000 installing my CRM going, dude, they're your leads. It's your business. Yeah. So how do you deal with that, with that? And, and how do you help your clients deal with that with their sales guys? Yeah, it's a tough one, right? Because I think there's a lot going on there. Like you just mentioned with your friend, it's number one, just logistically, you know, and if you're a auto sales guy, that's out on the lot, literally, half the time, and that's where you do business, well then, you know, putting a lead into the system is just not convenient, right? It's yeah. it's one it's one thing for me to be sitting here at my desk and to do it. It's a whole other thing to be out there leaning on a car in the sun, you know? So, I mean, that's an issue, right? And your, your, your point is a good one. In that case, maybe it makes sense to have somebody back in the office where the sales guys just put the business cards or slips of paper in, on their desk and that person puts the info in the system, right? That that can work. But the other problem is that in the auto business and a lot of businesses where there might be a lot of sa- sales turnover, where a salesperson will leave to go to work for a competitor, right? The salesperson sees their relationship with their customers as one of their strategic assets that they're going to leverage in their career as they move from business to business, right? Yep. And so absolutely, they literally have a very strong, overwhelming disincentive to cooperate with the CRM, you know? And so what are you going to do about that? I think it comes down to number one, leadership, you know, you, the leader of the business has to decide, as you said, this is a strategic asset for our business. We have to do this. And there's just no ifs, ands, or buts. And if I, I may have to hire a different kind of salesperson in order to make this work, right? I may not be able to hire these hired gun type guys that might be awesome, you know, pure salespeople, but they're just not team players, Yeah, you know? And to your point, once you get the automation, once you can demonstrate that, hey, look, you know, while I, I've never been a fan of the guy standing on the lot, I always thought if there's no customers, they should be on the phone or on the computer. But right. just my my sales approach. But I mean, once you know people start to see, look, here's some fruit coming from this. So yes, I'm only closing, you know, fifteen percent, twenty percent, twenty five percent. But now I'm getting all these new leads that are have been warmed up because yeah. they're opening up the company's information. They're going to our website. They're downloading our collateral. They're watching our videos. They're engaging with on social. Yep. So they pop back up to the top of the list as, hey, I'm, I'm interested again. I wasn't for six months, but I am today. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. You, you know, I think in an extreme situation where you may have, uh, you know, really old school guys that, you know, just it's going to be tough to teach them new habits, or there might be just some fundamental resistance like we were talking about. Sometimes the best approach is just Really, let's not even try to change what they're doing. Like you mentioned, let's find some way to have somebody else on the staff just make sure we're getting all the leads into a system. And then let's do some marketing for them and put leads back in their hands. Yeah. And they're smart salespeople. So as soon as you give them good leads, they're going to start asking, hey, where did these come from and how do I get more? 
Yep. You know, they're just, hey, they're your leads. We're just, <laughs> we put them into the system and we're remarketing to them. Right. Exactly. So then it becomes, I guess, obviously more interesting for them to re-engage and reconsider your, uh, your offering. Yeah. Back to my energy days. When we first put, we, we had acquired a competitor and I sort of inherited this far-flung sales team. Some of the guys were working from home. A lot of them were not here in Houston. And so I had to figure out different ways to manage everybody, right? And we put, this was like the very first year that Salesforce was out on the market. So we put that in place because it was on the internet, you know, and it was really the only option back then. Sure. And we had this one guy who he literally produced 40 to 45% of the revenue of the company every year. What, one sales guy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And then everybody else was, you know, doing their 10% or whatever. <laughs> yep. And so he's an older guy who, you know, he had trouble even, you know, just responding to emails and things like that. Right. He just wasn't a technology guy. So, you know, we just didn't even fool ourselves. Hey, Joe is not going to be, he's not going to play this game. Right. We're, so like you suggested earlier, we, we had somebody on the staff who their job was to chase down Joe at the end of every day and go, okay, who'd you talk to? Give me any new leads. Let me put them in and just put everything in the system for Joe. So he didn't have to, right? So we went way out of our way to make sure he was part of the system, but he didn't have to, you know, learn the system himself. So flash forward six months down the road, the younger guys are really getting into the system. Now they're starting to see the benefits of everything We're we're doing some, some lead nurturing and some marketing, and they're seeing the benefits of that. And they're showing up in sales meetings talking about wins that they've had as a result of this new system we put in place. And pretty soon, Joe's in my office going, hey, I want to be part of this thing. These guys are really doing well with it. How do I get to benefit from this? <laughs> you know? You yep. So the next thing you know, Joe is one of the biggest fans of the system. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I mean, you show some success and everybody wants to have it. So that makes sense. So what are some of the myths? Like uh, what's some of the bad advice? So, you know, you're at a cocktail party and group of business and sales leaders there and you overhear a conversation around, you know, using CRM and lead nurturing. So what's the bad advice? It kind of makes you cringe. <laughs> well, I mean, what I see businesses do wrong frequently is number one, they they just get enamored of the bells and whistles of all the technology and and they think that like so here you and I right now are talking about how to motivate salespeople to you know to be part of the system by providing them with valuable leads right yeah. which i think yeah. is the right answer what i see businesses do is they try to motivate the salespeople to be part of the system by handing them nice little bells and whistles and that just doesn't work because number one, the bell or whistle that you like, the little, the cool little feature where, you know, you can click a button and it opens up their LinkedIn profile or something like that. One sales guy might like that, but the next guy's not going to. And, um, and, you know, at the end of the day, does that really deliver any business value on a consistent basis? Probably not, you know? So I, I see that as being a big mistake. So you end up with this a more complex solution than you really need. And you're trying to get salespeople who don't need complexity. They need simplicity. You're trying to get them to use this way too complex system. So that's one 
fundamental problem that we see all the time. And then the other thing is, especially for us, because we work so much with, you know, sales driven B2B brands who may not have a real big marketing staff, you know, they might only have, you know, the one marketing manager who's wearing 15 different hats and doing everything from trade shows to digital marketing, right? And, you know, they're, they're pretty scattered and don't have a lot of time. So the salespeople end up trying to create the email content to send out through the marketing automation. And nine times out of 10, salespeople are not great marketing content writers, right? And so what we've done, that's part back to our, our four steps to market domination. One of the steps there, the third step is, you know, we've created this really simple formula for creating a really simple email that's going to get results. And it's, it's not rocket science. It's back to kind of what we were talking about earlier. If you know what your customers' pains are, you know, what are the things that they're dealing with in their world that motivates them to go to the internet or pick up the phone and reach out to your business for one of your solutions. If you know what those things are, then you can write an email, a really simple email. It doesn't have, you know, you don't need a, a marketing firm to spend $3,000 to develop a beautiful email. It's a simple text email that says, hey, do you have this problem? Is this going on in your world? If so, we've developed this cool resource to provide you with some tips and tricks, right? Yep. Really simple. And so anyway, long story short, we've we've created this simple process for a business to figure out what are those questions and then to create kind of little simple facts and things like that, FAQs that can act as the content. And that gets them sort of out, you know, they get their boat out of the port and out to sea. And now we're on our way, right? And as soon as they get to, to going, they start to get all the data about who's, you know, what what emails are getting opened and what emails are getting clicked on. And that data very quickly lets you dial in, you know, what's working and what's not. And then the, the real magic ingredient that having all of this in one system rather than two different systems, you know, marketing automation and a CRM, since it's all in one place, we can measure not just how many opens and clicks did we get on this given email, but of those people that clicked and our salespeople called and had a conversation, how many closed? So now we can go back and say, this email generates more sales than that email, right? And man, once you start to see that, then everything starts getting really clear. Wow, we need to do more of this and less of that, you know? Well, it sounds like a, you know, a big value of using your solution is that you start to build this market intelligence. So really the more conversations your salespeople have with their prospects, the smarter you get and the more insight you get to what their pain points are, what their their objections are. So that allows you, if you've got a marketing team, then to create specific resources, like you've said, whether it's video or PDFs or downloads or webinar, addressing those problems, because those are real problems that your guys have had um, talking to their prospects. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, in fact, one of the things that I've been it's been one of my dreams for, gosh, I don't know how many years now, uh, at least a handful of years, uh, because we, in being in the business we're in, you know, digital marketing has always been a, a key part of our funnel, right? 
Yep. And, you know, so this problem of, of, you know, measuring the, the return on that digital marketing all the way through to the actual sale through a, a sales process has always been a challenge for us. And I've, I've always been trying to solve it for that reason, as well as because we have lots of clients with similar challenges. Later this year, we're releasing a version that will be able to track the sales results down to the AdWords ad group level, right? So now if I'm spending money on pay-per-click, I can, I can look at that and say to my digital marketing folks that are spending that money, this ad group we're spending a lot of money on and it may be generating a lot of conversions, but we're not selling anything, right? Right. So yep. let's stop wasting that money and plow that money into the other ad groups where we are selling things. And man, that's just such a multiplier effect, you know? Yeah, I mean, to have that much insight, you know, using a handful of tools becomes difficult to to discern that and have proper reporting for management and your VP of marketing to understand, okay, why why are we reallocating budget? We're generating way more leads over here and the leads are less money. You know, we're paying $5 a lead instead of $30 a lead. But to your point, if they're not closing, then, the, you know, the $5 lead becomes very expensive. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's a similar, similar example. We work with a lot of folks that are in the telemarketing or appointment setting business. So they use, you know, the callers use our system to, uh, you know, do their outbound calling and setting appointments for their clients. And it's the same exact problem, right? They, they set all these appointments, but then they don't get any feedback from the business that their client about, you know, which appointments are closing business. Yep. And so where we've been able to partner with those companies and have them offer our solution to their clients. So now they're both using the same solution and they're able to do the same kind of measurement all the way through of, you know, we started with this list of people with this title in this industry and we close this much business, man, they can optimize that campaign so much more quickly. It's just, it's mind blowing how it changes things. Well, that's super cool. So a couple of questions and uh, we'll wrap up our conversation today. One, who's one guest, Craig, that you think I absolutely have to have on my podcast? Man, I've got a great recommendation for you. My friend Roger Janik owns a digital marketing firm and he's done really, really well. What I've always loved about what he does with digital marketing is they have this system that makes it really simple and understandable and manageable for a business that's not an you know digital marketing expert right yep yep so they they've just done a great job of making all that technology easy for people to understand and manage and sort of integrate into their business but also Roger's just he's been working for gosh I don't know probably 2 or 3 years and he just introduced this year a new system he calls rank hacker and if you've ever spent any time or money on search engine optimization, you know how mind boggling all of that stuff can be, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he, same thing, you know, he's created this site where you can go put in, you know, your website address and some of your competitors and it, and the keywords that you're targeting and it comes back and it gives you actionable stuff that you don't have to be a digital marketing expert to to understand you know you need to create x number of blog posts per month 
with focused on this keyword. And if you do that for the next five months, you will be ranked on page one. I mean, it's just like it gets it that systematized. And and I love it. It's so, it, you know, it just for 15 years now, I've been trying to figure out systems like that, that we can manage as a business. And and it's very difficult. And I just think the way that, that Roger's done that is so innovative. And I really think he's going to change the game in the SEO world. Well, I'd be great to appreciate an introduction. And more importantly, where can people connect with you and learn more about uh, you, you know, your business and, and how you're helping people uh, sales nexus? Sure. Yeah. Just go to salesnexus.com and you can download our four steps to market domination guide. So, you know, that's a, even if you're using a CRM already, but it's maybe not meeting your goals or performing the way you expected, take a look at that. It'll give you some great tips. And like I mentioned earlier, also some great tips for creating effective emails. And of course, you can also start a free trial sales nexus there as well. Well, that's awesome. I was going to say thanks so much for taking time out of your day and just uh, sharing some, you know, valuable tips and information uh, for our audience. Yeah, well, thank you, Doug. This has been a lot of fun. I really enjoyed the discussion. Great questions. And thanks a bunch. So there you go, listeners. This is another episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and got some good takeaways, uh, the importance of top of the funnel, uh, fill the funnel, and then nurture them, and then uh, reach out and have the conversation with your prospects uh, when they're engaging with your content and downloading uh, your PDFs and opening your emails. So I uh, just uh, want to say thanks again for tuning in. And if you like this episode, don't be shy. Leave us a note and make sure that uh, you tune into our next episode. I look forward to serving you then. That's all for this episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Now it's time to take your marketing to the next level by visiting DougMorneau.com and downloading our advanced marketing white papers as well as exclusive resources based on today's episode. That's DougMorneau.com. Until next time, we look forward to serving you right here on Real Marketing Real Fast.